Hello, in this lecture we're going to talk about budgets, talking about budgeting and planning. So when we think about budgets, when we ask most people what they think of when we think of a budget, most of the time we get an answer geared towards benchmarking in some way, meaning we're going to come up with a plan sometime into the future as to how much revenue we're going to get and how much uh, expenses we have. Where are we going to get that information? Well, oftentimes we look at our past performance or maybe the performance of other organizations that are similar to ours to come up with some type of benchmark, some type of projection. And that is a major goal of the budget. It's going to be a plan. And that's the thing I want to emphasize here, of course, is that the budget is a plan in a lot of ways. And it's going to have the plan be put together. And it's also very helpful in communicating that plan. So when we think about a budget, especially from a large organization, but any size organization from large to small, we need to talk from the top to the bottom to get the information. Oftentimes the information is going to be coming up from the bottom, meaning stores need to then have their data be processed through the central regional offices and then the central offices. So the data needs to be communicated and that communication process is a real opportunity, of course, to have buy-in into the budgeting and planning process. If people in the different levels of the organization feel like they are involved in the budgeting process, they help to set the goals, they help to set the objectives and the targets, they are more likely to uh, want to achieve those goals and objectives. So that's one of the major benefits of doing the budgeting process well. It also communicates from the top down in that the master budget is going to be the plan going into the future and we want to be able to communicate that plan clearly to the rest of the organization so that they know what's expected and the more people know what's expected the less anxiety they have the better they feel about whether or not they are uh, doing what is expected so that plan needs to be a, a form of communication it also helps in converting the long-term strategies down to shorter-term goals. If we talk about long-term strategies for many organizations, especially large ones, they might, have, they might have goals that are 10 years out, 20 years out, 30 years out. We need to, of course, break those goals down into yearly chunks. How are we going to think about those into manageable chunks so we can set shorter goals to achieve those longer goals within the future? It's also worth noting that the budgeting process can have problems that needs to be done well because if there's if it's not done well, it could lead to problems. For example, if we set targets that are too high and not achievable, then of course people are going to feel like they can't achieve it and that'll decrease performance. If we set the goals too low, then of course people may actually be incentivized, they will be incentivized mostly, to not do as well as possibly they could, not be driven as hard as they would because they know that the next budget is going to be based on this budget. So if they completely... Uh, outperform the budget then that will probably lead to more work in the future or that would be uh, the thinking oftentimes so if we think about the time frame of budgeting we usually think about a year so we think okay it, we're gonna do the yearly budget we're gonna budget for the year and then we might break that yearly process out into quarters looking at the budget in a quarterly method uh, that's gonna be a standard way to look at the budget we may also look at a rolling type budget where we're trying to budget out a year in advance all the time. So every month we might try to reset the budget so we can always look out into the future a year. And that can be really helpful in some ways as well because then we can kind of compare budgets to the same time period all the time looking out the year out into the future. Now the, the process of the budget, when we put the budget together, we can think about where's the information coming from. Of course, when we think about the organizational structure, it's kind of like a military structure. We're going to have the top management. We're going to have the middle management. We have, might have different regions, and then we might have stores. So if we have stores in different regions that then report to the regions and then they report to uh, the top management, that's how we're going to have to put together the budget, meaning the information is going to have the data for the budget is going to be, have to be coming from like the stores in that case, 
and then be compiled in the central, the, the regional offices, and then to the, uh, to the central office. So when we think about the budget, we can think of the flow of the data is actually going from the, the bottom up. And the budget as a whole then is, can be think about as, piece, as a whole budget that's made up of a different pieces of the budget. It can be broken out into different pieces of the budget. So we have to put these pieces together that then compile the entire master budget that we will then end up with. So how would this be facilitated? Now, all this data is going to be going from these different stores to the regions to the to the central office. How do we make that process happen? We're going to need some kind of committee, some kind of process like a budget committee in order to do this. The, the committee needs to facilitate the budgeting process, it needs to make sure that the data is being compiled. It's being done in a timely fashion so that we can get the budget done you know, on time. And they need to set the regulations to see that the budgeting process is done well, that, that the um, the numbers look reasonable. Now we'll go through briefly the components of the budget, starting with the sales budget. So remember the sales budget, first thing that needs to happen, we need to know how many units we think we're going to sell. And then we'll of course have the sales price and that will give us the total sales revenue. So it's very important for us to think first, how many units do we think we are going to sell? Because many of the other forms of the budget, including of course the direct labor, the direct material and the overhead will be based on how many units we believe we're going to sell. So in a problem, that's usually a very basic number. Of course, they're just going to give you, well, we came up with, we're going to sell this many units and we think that then the sales price will be this and that'll be the total revenue we will have. In real life, it's of course a very complex process in terms of a lot of times how much we are going to sell. We're going to look at last year's performance. We're going to look at the market and see how the market is doing, see how our uh, industry is doing and all these types of things could go into the idea of how many units are we going to sell but we need to have that in before we can kind of move forward to the next pieces of the budget. The next piece will be the production. So if we think we're going to sell this many units, if we said we're going to sell a thousand units of guitars, then you might think that, well, how many units do we have to produce then? Well, how about a thousand? I mean, if we're going to sell a thousand, then we got to make a thousand. And if there was no, nothing, if we had no beginning inventory, if this was like our first year of production and if we are, if um, we didn't, if we thought we were going to sell perfectly a thousand guitars, then that would be true. But we probably want to have some type of cushion, meaning we probably want to say, hey, what if we sell more than a thousand guitars? We don't want to miss out on those sales. Therefore, we're going to assume we're going to sell for a thousand, but maybe we want to have like 200 cushion and that will be our projected ending inventory at the end of the time period. That's going to be the idea of production. So we're going to say, hey, we're going to sell this many. And then we're going to say, well, we're going to have a cushion of 200. And then we're going to say, well, we already have guitars at the beginning. There's guitars that are in the warehouse right now that are completed and ready to sell. So we're going to have to subtract that from the calculation. So when we think about how much we're going to produce, we're going to start with, there's how many units we think we're going to sell based on the sales production, plus what we want in ending inventory, a cushion, in case we sell more than the budget amount we're going to sell, minus the amount that's already in the warehouse in the beginning inventory. So again, that formula, and we will see that formula again in the uh, materials area so we want to produce the amount from the sales budget the amount that we think we're going to sell plus the ending inventory what we think is still going to be left or what we want to have left at the ending inventory minus what's already in there at the beginning of the budget the beginning inventory that's the amount that we need to produce that's how many we need to produce we are then going to take that production number and apply it to the components of production meaning direct materials direct labor overhead so we'll first look at the direct material so now we know how many units we need to produce if we're making guitars we know how many guitars we need to produce and 
Now we need to think about how much material we need to buy. Direct material, things like the wood, right? For if we're making guitars out of wood. So we would think, and then we might think that's pretty straightforward. We have, well, if we're making this many guitars and it takes half a plank of wood for each guitar, then we take the number of guitars and divide it by two, and that's how many planks of wood we need because it takes half a plank for each guitar to make. And that would be the case if we did not think that uh, we want a cushion at the end again uh, in case we met, we need to make more guitars than we had budgeted for and if we didn't already have a pile of wood in the beginning inventory in our warehouse. So we have the same kind of activity that we were, we were going to have. We're going to take the number of guitars we need to make and then we're going to multiply that times the direct materials. If it, so if it takes half a plank of wood to make one guitar, then we'll multiply it times 0.5. If it takes two planks of wood to make one guitar, then we'll multiply it times two. And that would give us the number that we would need to, to purchase, the number of units we would need to purchase if we were going to be exact. But then we need to add to that what we want left over in the ending warehouse. We're going to have to produce, predict somehow, some type of calculation, how much we want left over in the ending warehouse. And then we're going to subtract from that how much is already in the warehouse at the beginning of the process. So you have the similar type of calculation that we looked at when deciding how many units to produce and that will give us the number of units of material in this case wood we would need to produce and then to convert that to of course dollars for the budget we're going to take that and multiply it times the unit price so whatever the unit price per plank of wood in this case is we would multiply that out and that would be our dollar amount so we have both the unit amount and the dollar amount now if we think about the direct labor budget so we're thinking direct labor we don't have to necessarily do the direct labor after the materials budget. We have to do it after we have the production budget. So once again, we're looking at the production budget. Then we can think about the direct labor budget. And at the same kind of time period, we're thinking about the direct materials budget. And it's usually a bit more straightforward. What we're going to do is we're going to say, well, uh, how many hours does it take to produce this number of production budget? So we're going to take the number that we need to produce from the production budget times how many hours it takes. I'm not sure. I mean, it might take three hours to make a guitar in terms of labor <laughs> that we have. I have no idea. But whatever it is, we're going to say, here's, here's how many we need to produce. Here's how many hours it takes to produce one. Therefore, there's the total hours that we need to produce. And again, in a book problem, it'll give you this number. In real life, we would have to, we probably spend a lot of time in a production company to figure out exactly what that is and, and, and make adjustments for, um, for breaks and this type of thing to make that a reasonable number. We'll talk about that later, but uh, we'll come up with some type of estimate in terms of total hours, and then we're going to have to multiply that times the hourly rate, which again, we may need some type of estimate to come up with, but that'll give us our budgeted amount in terms of labor that we will need uh, to produce. And then the third piece, of course, we've done the direct labor, the direct material. Now we're talking factory overhead. That's the other piece of the component of production. And when we think about factory overhead, there could be variable portion, there could be fixed portion, it could vary a lot from company to company. But much of the, of the, of the factory overhead is fixed, meaning it's a lot of times salaries on, on the workers, it's going to be the depreciation and this type of thing. So the fixed portion in terms of factory overhead, we can apply out fairly easily because it's going to be basically the same. Anything that's fixed we can do kind of like the standard shortcut most people think about when they think of a budget, which is, well, what is it for the year? And let's divide that by 12. Depreciation is what it is for the year. If it's straight line, we can divide it by 12, you know, or, or whatever the estimate is, we know exactly what it is. If it's the salary, we know what it is, we divide by 12. So that's a lot of times the fixed portion of the factory overhead is actually more straightforward.
Now we've talked about the production, we've talked about sales, and we've talked about the cost of sales in terms of direct material, direct labor, and overhead, the three components of inventory. And then the other two pieces of a production budget is the, usually the period cost, the selling expenses, and the general and administrative expenses. Now, so we'll talk about selling in general first, but both of them are usually more straightforward in that, again, they're usually mainly fixed, meaning they're, they're going to be standard throughout the time period. So a lot of the fixed costs, if we're talking about selling expenses, we might have depreciation on the store and stuff like that, or we might have a fixed budget in terms of, of like the advertising that we're going to have or the, the salary of, of folks in that department that we will apply here. If it's a salary or any of those, we just take that fixed amount. Now, the selling, selling department may have a variable portion, and one example of that would be commissions. If they had commissions, then we'd have to figure out, okay, how many do we think we're going to sell, and then figure out the commissions for that rate of sales. But many times the selling area is a lot more easy than you know, the production area. General administrative, same type of thing. We're talking about the office salaries, the, the depreciation on the office, uh, the managerial salaries, the accountant staff salary. Many of those type of things are going to be fixed in nature. So if we're talking about salaries, we just take the yearly salary, divide by 12, and that's how it is, how much it is per month. And now we can think of like the capital expenditures. Capital expenditures are going to be things that like big investments. Are we going to purchase any machinery or equipment within this time frame? And we need to budget and plan for that and think about what those types of purchases would be. Once we have all that, once we've done the production, the general administration, the capital, then we can think about the cash flow budget. We've got all the pieces we need in order to put together the cash. So at first glance, the cash budget is fairly straightforward. The cash budget is going to include beginning cash, what we had at the beginning of the time period. So if we're talking about a month, what we had at the beginning of the month, then we're going to add to it the cash receipts. That's going to be including sales, but it's going to be the sales that we had for cash. And we may also have some other receipts in that we may have taken out loans and whatnot or something like that. Then we're going to subtract cash disbursements. And that's going to be oftentimes from expenses or disbursements we're making uh, for expenses in this time period. But it's also going to include disbursements that we're paying off. It could include loans we're paying off, accounts payables we're paying off. And that will give us the preliminary cash, how much cash we would have after that process. And then we make the decision, okay, now is that too low? Do we need to take out a loan? Are we going to have cash problems, cash flow problems, in which case we need to budget for a loan to take out? Or possibly the cash is higher than expected or high enough to pay off some loans. Do we want to pay off some debt that we may have at that point in time? So if we dive into that more deeply, the first area of the cash budget is going to be cash receipts, the cash coming in. In order to look at the cash receipts, we're going to do this all the way through the cash budget. We're going to jump up to the sales area, the sales budget, and we're going to say, what are the sales for like the month and this time period? And we're going to say, that's where we're going to start. The problem is that that sales number may not be all for cash. Probably is not. So we're going to have to say, okay, how much of the sales for this month are for cash? How much of it is for on account? The cash sales we got cash for, the stuff we sold on account will be in accounts receivable. Then we have to add to that the cash we're going to receive for the stuff we sold last month and the month before that. So we could have a fairly simplistic calculation or we could have a fairly complex calculation in terms of the cash receipts versus the, uh, the time period in which the sale had happened. But we need some type of process in order to do the cash uh, calculation properly. The same thing is true for the materials. So if we look at the materials, how much did we spend for materials in terms of a cash budget? We're going to jump up to uh, the materials budget and take a look at it. 
but that budget is on how many materials we need to pay for doesn't mean that we pay cash for it we oftentimes would buy the materials on accounts we have the same problem we got to say all right here's the materials budget here's how much we purchased in materials this month but how much of it was for cash and how much of it did we buy on account meaning accounts payable that we will then pay in the future how much of the prior months or even the month before that did we purchase on account in accounts payable that we will pay for with cash this month those are the kind of questions again the calculation could be somewhat simple it could be somewhat complex depending on how we come up with that but we need some process of that in order to come up with a proper cash flow type budget now a lot of the other expenses we're going to jump through back and forth from many of the other line items including uh, direct labor we got the overhead we've got uh, the selling expenses and the general administrative expenses and the capital expenditure budget most of those are going to be more straightforward we're going to we're going to go through each of those line item budgets and say okay these expenses uh, are usually going to line up to the budget pretty specifically and we can pull those expenses or those cash expenditures down we need to make sure that we're not including things that are not related to cash so we're not going to include things like depreciation or something like that not cash related we're going to go through all the budgets and basically say this is the cash flow related to each budget from the direct labor to the overhead to the selling and administrative expenses all the way down and complete our cash budget in that way again once we have that cash budget down once we have that preliminary number and that would be a, a long process to go through that but we'd have to take line item by line item. once we have that preliminary number we think we're going to take the cash receipts minus the cash disbursements then we're going to take that number and say okay are we going to need a loan sometime through this period or do we want to pay off some debts sometime through this period so now once we finally have that once we have the cash budget we can move on to the financial statements the balance sheet the income statement so for the financial statements we'll start off with the income statement so once we have the cash budget completed we can then create and compile the budgeted income statement so just a quick look at the line by line through the budgeted income statement we're going to do the same thing a lot of times we did with a cash budget we're going to go through the lines of the budgeted income statement jump back to the budgets that we have created and compile the components that we need for the budgeted income statement for example we'll start off of course with sales on the income statement sales is going to come from the sales budget where we'll just basically have the unit sales times the sales price and that'll be a fairly straightforward number cost of goods sold next item on the budget now we may need to perform a cost of goods manufactured in order to do a cost of goods sold calculation so remember the cost of goods sold is going to be the beginning inventory plus the cost of goods manufactured and we may have to create a cost of goods manufactured uh, calculation for that and that and then minus uh, the ending inventory that will give us the cost of goods sold calculation and then we got the sales minus the cost of goods sold giving us gross profit then we have the operating exp expenses which could include things like uh, the sales expenses whether there's variable and fixed portions or and we can go up to the sales budget and pick up what we had for the selling uh, expenses then we have the general administrative expenses again we go up to the budget we had for general administrative expenses pick up the number there if we had any interest on the loan calculation we can figure out what the interest on the loan is we may have calculated that on the cash budget if we paid we had to pay the interest depending on how we're calculating the interest and that could add up to something like an income from um, income before taxes once we come up with all the projected expenses and I'm sorry that'll come up with it with the total expenses their operating expenses and then the gross profit minus the operating expenses income before taxes 
and then typically we will then calculate taxes at the end of the process and of course whatever the tax rate may be we may estimate a tax rate which would be the income before taxes times the tax rate and then subtract the income before taxes minus the taxes getting to net income and uh, that's going to be a typical process to put the taxes at the end because of course the taxes depend on uh, the net income and they can really distort things if we put them some other place so then we can finally do the balance sheet so now we can think about the balance sheet once we've gotten all through all this and the balance sheet if we take a look just some accounts on the balance sheet to give a general idea of how these could be put together we've got the assets our first asset being cash and cash is going to come from the cash budget so we'll take the ending number on the cash budget for cash then we'll have the receivables we're gonna have to do a little bit of figuring on the receivables and the figuring will basically be that we've got the beginning receivables plus we have the sales on account plus we need to then we need to subtract out the money that we received for sales on account so we're gonna have to do a bit of calculation there right we got to be what was in there in the beginning of the receivable how many sales did we have on account minus the money we received for sales on account from the prior periods then we've got the raw materials inventory so we're going to have to figure out the raw materials inventory we may have to do a cost of, of goods manufactured calculation in order to help with that as well as the finished uh, goods inventory we may have to look at the cost of goods manufactured as well as the cost of goods sold calculations in order to come up with the uh, finished goods inventory equipment if we had something like equipment on the books then of course equipment and property plant and equipment fixed assets usually not a whole lot of new purchases or sales in comparison to other types of transactions therefore the equipment's going to be whatever it was at the beginning plus whatever we budgeted in the capital budget uh, to purchase for equipment minus whatever we thought we were going to sell in that budget and then we've got the related accumulated depreciation to the equipment that's of course going to be the beginning of accumulated depreciation plus whatever we calculated it to be that should be a pretty straightforward number that we had calculated and so those are some of the items there and, and then uh, total assets then on the liability side a couple accounts just that uh, could be confusing the accounts payable account uh, same type of idea when we think about the budgeted accounts payable for the ending balance as of the balance sheet we have to do a calculation like well what was in there at the beginning and then how much stuff did we purchase on account usually from the materials budget minus the amount that we paid off for purchases in prior periods on account for the materials generally and then we may have the income taxes payable which we would calculate on the income statement uh, in the bottom of the income statement those would be payable if we look at like the equity section we, we would have things like common stock uh, if we were talking about a company usually it's not going to change a whole lot common stock but it might and and then depending on what happened during the time period and then we have the retained earnings of course and retained earnings is going to be the beginning retained earnings plus the net income what we generated through the time period minus anything that we paid out anything we distributed for a company that would be in the form of dividends and so those are the, some of the line items on the balance sheet if we go through the whole process of course once we get to the balance sheet we should have total assets equaling liabilities plus equity and that would give us some evidence some proof that we have gone through the process properly